Let's see a hand for all the mamas and grandmamas out there. Blessings, blessings, blessings on you. We're glad that you're here. I am believing that the Holy Spirit is going to speak a word to your heart this morning that's going to strengthen you for this week. And so the, the topic I've chosen, sorry, we, we do topics by the month, as you know, and this month we're talking about the community of Christ. So I was trying to think what thread I wanted to pull that would make this topic come alive for me as, as well as for you guys. And I was thinking about talking about creating connection because I believe that this is a culture that we're living in that is a culture of isolation and a culture of loneliness. And I know that might seem odd since we are more connected than any other generation upon the face of the earth. But I also know that the connections are more superficial and the connections are artificial. And you're not getting to know the real person, for example, online or on Facebook, all these other ways that we connect. So I believe that um, the culture that we have created is one of deep loneliness and isolation. Uh, let me see a show of hands for the people here that know personally or know very close to you someone that has committed suicide. Could you let me see your hands? Would you please look around and see the hands that are up? In the first service, it was staggering how many people that we know are taking their own life. And this is, this is a tragedy for many reasons. But it's also a tragedy because God has created us to live in community to connect with one another in real ways. He gave his life so that we could get connected with one another and not have sin come between our relationships. So I wanted to just spend a few moments today talking about this. And I know when I talk about community and, and meeting with friends and getting to know people, sometimes it just feels like I don't want to have one more conversation. When I get home from work, I want to close the door. I don't want to fulfill another request. I don't want to answer another phone call. And there are going to be days and times that are like that. But I'm not really talking about those exceptions. I'm talking about when we purposely isolate ourselves, we purposely close the door of our homes and say, I really, you know what, I don't really want to go to small group tonight. I don't really want to go to church today. I don't really want to have that couple over to my home for dinner I don't really want to invite them to go to the park. I don't, just, I don't feel like it. And there's a real problem with doing those types of things over time. And that's what we're going to talk about. But why can't we just be left alone? What's wrong with that? I know there are certain kinds of personalities that, and my husband being one of them, that they love people and they get filled up from being around people. Are you one of those kinds of people? Raise your hand. You're, you're unashamed. You're, you're, you admit it. You love. You get life from being around people. And God bless you. God bless you. My husband keeps me from being a hermit. And the word of God, of course. And then there are those of us that we love people deeply, 
but being around people is, is more of a drain, not because of the person, but just because of how we were created, how we were designed. There's nothing wrong with that as long as we don't let that stop us from obeying what the Lord has told us to do in his word. So I'm here to say this morning that loneliness comes with a price tag. Now there's a difference in solitude and loneliness. Solitude is what we need. When we think about, if you think about the cross, there's the vertical beam, which of course represents our relationship with God. That's the first, that's the first relationship. If that's not right, this is never going to be right. This is always going to have limitations. So of course we get in solitude. That's when we get filled up by God. Solitude is when we spend time with alone, just, just me and God, and he tells me words of love. He tells me of the future, the plans that he has for me, and I feel loved and filled up by those times of solitude. But there's another beam on that cross, and that beam is this way, and that beam represents our relationship with people. That is one of the reasons why Christ died, so that we can be in relationship with people. And it's not just something extra that's tagged on. If you've got time, then be in relationship with people. No, that is paramount to what pleases God for why he chose his son to die. is so that we can be in community, be the body of Christ. Are you with me so far? Okay. Let me put this in a little bit of context. We're going to read... Some verses that will be very familiar to you, but I hope we will have a little bit of a different take on them this morning. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, we all know that he says our because God is himself in community. He is in community with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. So he is he is one in community. He is, and we could spend a whole month talking about the Trinity and still maybe not understand it completely. But that's why he says our, because he himself is in community with the Son and with the Spirit. So he says, let's make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl. So, God is creating this elaborate, not a nursery because when he creates Adam, he's a man, but he's creating the most elaborate world that anyone has ever had. He's, everything that you see, the stars, the sun, the moon, the animals, it's all created. And then he forms Adam, we know this story, from the elements of the earth, from the dust, the dirt of the ground. And Adam, the Bible says, Adam walks. He's in perfect communion with God. There's no sin in the world. There's no sickness. There's no miscommunication. He's in perfect communion with God. And in that perfect state with God, Adam is loved to his very core by God. There's no lack that Adam can see. He is loved. But God looks at the situation, and we know what he says. The Lord God said, it is not good 
for the man to be alone. What? Now, we've all made jokes where we said, okay, what was Adam doing that God is looking and going, okay, that's not good. That's not good. And so we've speculated as to what Adam could have been doing, but we won't talk about that on Sunday morning. And hello for all of you watching from around the world, in, in outer space and wherever. But anyway, God just said it's not good that the man be there by himself. Okay, I will make a helper corresponding to him. Now, helper means, it's a Hebrew word, and it means corresponding strength. I will make a corresponding strength to be with Adam. Now, for a long time, I thought, well, you know, when you're just thinking about Scripture, you, you think, well, Adam had a lot to do. You know, he had, a, he had a lot of work to do, and he just needed help. He needed someone to hand him his tools and hold his beer. So it's not good. He needed somebody else to go with him. And I thought, but then I got to thinking about it. I thought, you know what? Everything that had been living, that was living up to this point, had been created from the elements that God created from the dust. And I thought, if God's intention, that his purpose for Eve was just to, here you go, honey, nothing wrong with that. And if you're a wife, that needs to be part of your gentleness and kindness and to help, to be a help, just like you want your husband to help you. But if that had been God's sole purpose for her, his sole intention, his destiny for her, she would have been made out of the same dirt, the same elements, the same soil that every other living thing was created out of. Now think for a moment. Everything that God had done up to this point, including the creation of man, of a male, of, of mankind, had been made from these elements, and everything had been created, we will find out later, to serve Adam. The animals, the birds, everything had their place in serving man. So, God doesn't take the same elements that he took everything else that Adam would have dominion over to create Eve. Are you listening? He took something entirely different. So we have coming up next the first anesthesia in the Bible. God puts Adam into a deep, deep sleep. And it says that he reached into Adam close to his heart. And he pulled out of Adam Another reflection of who God is. Another face of God. It's when God looked at Adam and said, it's not good that he's alone. It wasn't because he, 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 he had so much work to do he couldn't get it done. It was because Adam as a solitary person did not reflect who God was. God is a God of community. He is three in one. And Adam, as, a, as incredible as he must have been, come on now, what a specimen, he, uh, 
Yes. And Eve as well. But God said, this isn't good. This doesn't reflect who we are. We are to be making someone in our image and a solitary man, solitary person does not reflect our image. So he pulls out of Adam another image that accurately reflects Adam and Eve together are a reflection of God's image. Can I hear an amen? So no matter how much we isolate ourselves, no, no matter how much we think, I just, I don't want to be bothered. Every time I go into a small group, every time I join a new church, I get hurt. People hurt my feelings. People don't pay any attention to me. Or when I try to do something, they misunderstand me. No matter how many times you believe that has happened, how many times maybe indeed it has happened, we were made to have satisfaction, to feel that deepest need of the isolation that Adam had by being in community. Eve wasn't just an afterthought. Well, he's going to need a lot of help. He's got a lot to do. No, she was specially created to reflect her creator just as Adam was. And he has a destiny for Adam and Eve and all of humanity. Community reflects God's glory. And his plan, his purpose is for his children the children that say, I'm a, I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of Christ, then we need to be in community. Because that is the, the more accurate reflection of God's face, of why he died. Amen? You know, most of us have heard this, this saying, there's a God-shaped hole in everyone's heart, everyone's body, everyone's life, and only God can fill that. Have, have y'all heard that saying? Most of us that have been in church have heard that saying. And that's true. Because like I said before, if this isn't right, nothing's right. But, but there's two beams on that cross. And if either one of those two beams are taken apart, that cross, it doesn't stand. Then you just have a pole. You just have a piece of wood. Either way, the other beam is there as well. And that other being means God's intention is not just for us to have a relationship here, but for us to have a relationship with each other. Because the Garden of Eden shows us that God will not fill that hole. He, Adam was in perfect communion with God, wasn't he? He was loved to the core. He had no self-image problems. He wasn't plagued by anybody taunting him or teasing him or bad parents or bullies. He had it. And yet God said, this isn't good. This isn't good. Man needs to be in community because I and the Son and the Spirit are community. That's God's purpose for us. To love him by loving them. To love him by loving them. That's his purpose. That's his joy. His highest aim is for children to be in the body of Christ. And for that body to grow and grow and be extended. And it's people like you and it's people like me that make up the body of Christ.
And yes, I know there is much potential for heartache. We think that because we're joining the church, I'm not ever going to get my feelings hurt again. Everyone's going to be so nice to me because we're all Christians. And yes, we all do our darndest. But because of the way I was raised, because of the way you were raised, because of my personality, because of your personality, because of my insecurities, because of your insecurities, people's feelings are going to get hurt. And we're going to feel like this, is, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't, I don't want to be in relationship. I don't want to be in community. I want to go home. I want to shut the door. I want to turn on Netflix. And I don't want to be bothered. But that's not why Christ died. But no, we take our personal Savior with us. We get upset. We get our feelings hurt. And we march to another church with our personal Savior. And we plant ourselves. And guess what happens? Surprise! We're hurt all over again. And we've not built the skills. We've not formed the habits of learning how to connect in a real way. In a way that's powerful. In a way that's real. In a way that overlooks someone's sins and allows them to overlook ours. We've not been taught that. And if you haven't learned that growing up, this is the place to learn it. This is the place to stay put and grow and learn how to connect in a way that pleases the Father. Yes, I'm glad we're saved, but this has to change as well. It has to. It's not good that you're alone. And this isn't a sermon about marriage. My goodness, some of the loneliest people I know are married. Some of the most isolated people I know have a spouse. This is not about marriage. There is no commandment in the Bible that says thou shalt be married. But there is plenty of encouragement and plenty of admonitions to stay in community, to stay planted in the body, to encourage one another, to love one another, to not give up, to speak good of one another, to not speak evil of one another, to think the best, believe the best, hope for the best, plan for the best. So this isn't about marriage. This is about relationship. Jesus echoes the same thought. He echoes the same thought because it is who God is. God, the Son, is saying, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. I want them to be in community. I want them to be in close relationship, in unity, like you and I, God, are in unity. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. That's community. Calm, the prefix there means with, together, with unity, together with unity. I want that for them the way it is with us. The way I live and breathe is in fellowship with you, God, and fellowship with the Spirit. And that's what I want for my children. That's what I want for my brothers and my sisters. And may they be in us. They, he's talking about us. We're disciples of Christ. May they be in us so that the world will believe. Wow. It doesn't say the signs and miracles will make them believe. It doesn't say the amount of money you have in the bank will make them believe. It doesn't say the kind of car you drive will make them believe. It says the unity will make them believe. The community will make them believe. Believe. If you recall, Jesus staked his reputation on teaching those disciples to love one another. 
and he showed them how to love one another. He washed their dirty, stinking feet. He said, no, I want you to wash each other's dirty, stinking feet. And when people make fun of you or misuse you or ill-treat you, stay in relationship. I'm not talking about abusive relationships. You know that. But when you get your feelings hurt, when your standards are breached or whatever, stay in relationship. So what are the habits that invite real connection? Why don't kids as they're growing up, and of course our children get everything they need from mom and dad, right? I, I, you know, you see cracks. You do. You think, man, I should have taught them better manners. Or, oh, man, I, they, don't, they don't know how to, you know, we see the cracks as the kids. And if you don't think yours are going to have cracks, oh, God bless you. If you don't think you're going to become a, raise children and get to adulthood and go, oh, my, how did I miss that? You know, it's just, it's, 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 God bless you. So. As parents, we are to put habits in our children, our young adults, our college-age kids, because the learning never stops, whether or not they're learning from you, it doesn't matter. We never stop learning. Habits that teach us how to be in relationship. You can be the smartest person in the world, and if people can't stand to be around you, if you alienate everyone around you, no, nobody like that. We teach them habits. And if you didn't learn it at home, guess what? Guess what? The body of Christ is God's answer for community. The body of Christ is God's answer to loneliness. And if that's not your experience, I apologize. I apologize. Because the main thing that we are to do as a church because we are the body of Christ, is to reach out, to listen, to touch, to reach, to help. So what are some of the habits that invite connection? Now, this is a verse that Pastor Mark used last week. I'm going to use it in because I just love it. Let us watch out for one another to provoke. Now, if we stopped here, check, double check. I have provoked many people I didn't mean to. Didn't, it was the last thing on my mind, but they were offended. And I have, I have been provoked. They didn't mean it, but I was offended. So if we stopped right there, we could all say, we've done it. Got it. Check. But it says to provoke each other to love. To love. Okay, now that's going to take some more time. And good works. I am to provoke you Carlos, to good works. I'm going to provoke you to good I don't even know. What does that even mean? But provoke to love and good works. That's what it tells us to do. And that also says that we need to stay placed during the process of being provoked to love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together. Some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. Doesn't everyone love to be encouraged? I mean, honestly, is there someone here that doesn't just feel so good when people come up and say, man, what a great job you did. Wow, you are so magnificent at that. Wow, that's, I mean, everyone loves to be encouraged. The Bible is saying the way we connect is we love each other. We do good works for each other. We encourage each other. And that is not taught. 
to this generation. Well, this is not to my generation either, to be honest. Not neglecting together to gather, as some were in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, so what are the habits? We share our stuff with each other. Some of us have more stuff than others. Some of us have lots of stuff. Some of us have uh, the loaves and fishes stuff. But generosity is to be the condition of the heart of a follower of Jesus Christ. We all read the stories about the early church in Acts, and you know, we're all amazed that they sold their property if, if someone needed something, and they would sell their property, and they would put the money in a big pot, and people would take out what they needed, and we're all like, oh. And, but it doesn't tell us to do that. It's just saying that's what they did. But we are still told to share our stuff together. If I have something that you need, whether it's a word of encouragement, whether it's a meal, whether it's a hot, a, a bed for the night, whether it's to go alongside someone to, to run an errand, whatever it is, we share our lives together. We share. The quality of our life together is what tells the world, you know what? We believe that Jesus Christ was the son of God. We believe that he died on the cross for our sins. We believe he's coming back for us. And out of that great gratitude that we have for our Savior, this is what we do. This is what tells the world we truly believe what we say we believe. We share our stuff. Because you know what? It's not our stuff. Everything we have, including the breath in our bodies, is a gift from our Father. Just, just something as simple as saying, welcome, come on in. You know, you see the greeters who do a wonderful job at the front. And when you open your door at home and you welcome someone into your home, just that simple act of saying, welcome, come in. That tells that person, I have something to share with you, doesn't it? You, you know when you go into a home where you feel welcomed and that person, whether they're sharing food, whether they're sharing peace, whether they're sharing an evening together, you feel welcome. And that is what we do. We share our stuff. We make people feel welcome. We share our hearts with one another. It gets a little tougher. It's easier to make a meal for someone than to share what we're struggling with. To share what God is talking to us about. I know, now that my husband's not here, I'll say this one, um, this example. Uh, the last couple, like the last month, I've been feeling like he's not really paying me a lot of attention. I, I know this is crazy. I'm the only one that's ever had that thought. <laughs> but since it's Mother's Day, I'll be honest. I thought, I'm just, you know, he's always on his phone. Or I even asked the girls, do your husband, is he on the phone when you're driving? Because a lot of times I'll drive because I just like to, not that I like to be in control. I just like the feel of... And he usually is happy to let me drive because he just likes to relax. But he's on his phone. So I'm like, girls, do your husbands, are you? so I was quizzing all them, are your husbands on the phone? You're, you know, just kind of, so then I had, to, I had to stop that really quick. You know, that's a rabbit hole that goes nowhere besides, you know, where. So I, you know, I just repented and the oddest thing happened, he started getting much better. He started, I, hadn't, I never said a word to him. Did you guys say anything to him? Okay. 
So then this morning I was, you know, you know, before you get ready to preach, you know, you repent of everything you've ever done since you were a baby. I don't know if y'all are familiar with that, but before encounters or before I fly, I repent, you know, I do all these things because I'm like, I want to be right with God. So I said, oh Lord, I'm sorry. I haven't had my, the, the prayer time I should have and I haven't. And you know what the Lord said to me? So I was treating him like my husband was treating me. <laughs> Not paying attention, ignoring, you know, and of course he wouldn't say he was doing that, but that's how you feel. And so the Lord knows how to get you with just the right words that it's a clean cut. Do you know what I mean when I say it's a clean cut? Because it's true, but yet you still feel loved through that whole process. So thank you, Lord. So sharing our hearts with one another is very, very, very Difficult, but yet the Bible says to tell the truth to one another. Now speak it in love, but tell the truth. How, if we just think about it, and if we're just aware enough for a moment to think, how much trouble have I gotten into in my life? Because I haven't been honest. I haven't told the truth, or I've shaved the truth, or I've shaded the truth, or I've not spoken the truth. Just simple things, if we can sow into our children, sow into the life of our community, tell the truth, keep our word. We make a commitment, we keep our commitment. Everyone sitting here in this room today, including myself, our lives tell the story of our commitments. Commitments we've made, commitments we've broken, Foolish commitments we've gotten into. Wise ones that we have committed to. Every one of us here, our life is a story of commitments. What we've done with our word. These are the things that are the habits that we sow that make community. That make a real connection with people. Simple things, but profound things. We stay, we close on this, when we stay and embrace the process to grow. This is by far the most difficult. Because it's very easy to feel like our rights have been violated. But you know, as believers, we don't really have any rights. We, don't, we honestly don't have rights. Our lives are hidden, the Bible says, in Christ. Our lives are hidden to be hidden in Christ. Who, though he was equal with God, did not take, think equality with God was a thing to be grasped. But he humbled himself. And he died on a cross. Those are our rights. And we get our rights trampled and we get our feelings hurt. But staying put, growing, letting, letting our, our feelings mature, Staying in relationship, that Bible, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. You have to be close for two pieces of iron to sharpen one another. You can't be running off down the street every time you get your feelings hurt. Now, I know there are obvious things. Sometimes people need to leave. Sometimes people move or sometimes whatever. But for most of us, we just, like I said, we take our personal Savior and off we go. From marriage to marriage, from church to church, from relationship to relationship, taking our personal Jesus with us, when that's not why he died. He died so that we can be in relationship with other people, so that we can show the world he is who he said he is because of how we love 
each other. That's what it's about. And every bit as much as it's about this, it's about this. You cannot disentangle those two pieces of the cross. It's the first and second commandment. So if we didn't learn these simple, simple habits growing up, these are skills we can learn in the body. This is the place that we learn. This is the place that we grow. This is the place that we watch one another mature. This is the place where we are part of that maturing process. This is what God wants for his family. He said, it's not good that you're alone, that you don't have a community with you. I'm going to design a helper, a corresponding strength for you. And it's the body of Christ. It's the community of Christ. So would you stand with me, please? And I'll ask Pastor David to come out. God bless you. Let's put our small group questions up. So while Dr. Crystal was preaching, I just got this picture in my head of a Jenga um, tower at critical mass. You know, it's about to fall over. All the pieces have been pulled out and are missing. And um, I kind of just saw that picture and God was saying to me, like, the church is like this tower here. And my intention is to put people into places to stabilize this tower again. So like reverse Jenga, right? And so I, I, I think what God is trying to tell me with that little picture there is, you are critically important to stabilizing this church. And if you think that you're insignificant in the grand scheme of things, we need every single one of those blocks to be right where it is so that this church can function as it ought to in this world with the mission that we've been given. And if you're even one of those who may be overly critical about being placed where you, you want to be placed, you know, just give up. Just let, let God push you into the place that you need to be and stop resisting because we will not be able to be as effective as we need to be as a church if we're not a tight-knit community. And I don't know if you've seen a Jenga tower when all the blocks are in, they're tight, they're rubbing up against each other, they're next to each other, they are forced to be there dealing with each other, but they make a beautiful, strong fortress for people that need to come and be a part of it. So get in, into that Jenga tower, not for your sake, but for the sake of the people that need the strength of the church. So I'm gonna pray that way, that we would all get on board with that. You guys ready? All right, Lord, we thank you that you've given us another miraculous day to come worship you, lift your name high, um, see you reveal things to our hearts that we need to have revealed and you deal with us. We thank you for all of that. But more than anything, we wanna see your church become a reflection of your heart in heaven. We wanna see it manifesting here. And Lord, we just say right now, we give up if we're being overly critical and we're, we're just not getting in, into the nitty gritty of being a healthy church. Help us to break down that resistance that our hearts have. And Lord, we thank you that you've placed us in a place of the world in a time where we can really truly be just used for what you wanna do. So Lord, we thank you for that, and we praise you in the name above all names. In Jesus' mighty name, we all say amen.